One of the greatest examples of God's power is shown in Daniel chapter three with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego today here on the Last Things Podcast. It's your boy Damien coming to you once again with another episode of the Last Things Podcast, where we are on a journey to truth. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to come before you once again as we discuss the Word of God. How is everybody doing on today? Thank you guys so much for tuning in with, to this week's episode. I greatly do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. As I tell you guys all the time, this podcast will be nothing if it if it is not for your support. So. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. I greatly do appreciate it, man. We've come a long way from where we started to where it's like, it's, it's kind of like what Drake said, started from the bottom and now we're here from where we started from to where we are now. There's been so much growth and, and I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much guys, because if it's not for your, because of your support, you guys continue to push me to elevate my game, to step my game up. So, man, thank you guys so much for your support, man. You you just don't know how much uh, how much it really means to me. So, thank you guys so much. Last week, guys, we covered mm, Daniel chapter two, where Daniel told the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. He told him what the dream meant, and uh, we saw how. We saw how each me- the statue of the giant man, different metals, each metal represented a kingdom. And we talked about the last kingdom, the uh, revived Roman Empire, how the Antichrist is going to come out of that kingdom and how he will take over and he will establish his final. He will establish the final kingdom, his kingdom during the um, I want to say last three years of the seven year tribulation period. And uh, we showed and we talked about how Daniel and Revelation go hand in hand. You know, I've been saying it since we started, Daniel. They both go hand in hand. Last week was a good example. And this week is going to be another example of Daniel and Revelation going hand in hand. And I know the question you're going to ask, how does Revelation, how does the end time fit in to Daniel chapter three, which is what we're going to discuss today? I'm going to show you how how Daniel chapter three really is a vision of what it will look like during the tribulation period in our time. It's it's, there's a very I'm going to show you later on. I'm going to show you how it really is a precursor, so to speak. It really is like this is a, 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 a rough draft, so to speak. You know, back in the day, whenever we wrote out when we were in school, we would have papers to write. And what's the first thing the teacher would tell us to write? 
write out a, a, a rough draft, which is your first copy of your uh, of your uh, story, a paragraph, whatever you're going to write, whatever we were writing at the time, write your rough draft, then do your final draft. This right here in Daniel three would be a rough draft to how it will be during the tribulation period. OK, and we're getting and we're going to discuss it. OK, so let's do this. Let's jump to Daniel, and now we're going to go to Daniel chapter 3, okay? So we're right here, Daniel chapter 3. Now, one thing that I do want to talk discuss is between Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 3, there is a time jump between two both chapters. According to um, a lot of the research that I've seen and uh, a lot of the information I've seen, a lot of scholars believe that there has been like a 15, 16 year time jump between Daniel 2 and Daniel 3. So this is like 15 years later after the gold statue, uh, after the golden statue. That's when uh, a lot of scholars believe this in Daniel chapter 3 took place. OK, so let's do this. We're at Daniel chapter 3 and let's start with verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden statue, 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, this could have been in response to um, the dream that he had in chapter two. He made in Daniel. Remember, in Daniel chapter two, that statue was a man, but it was made of different metals. Right. Where here, Nebuchadnezzar makes the statue of himself and how and it's 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, a giant statue. However, as I just said, it's of him this time. Last time it was just a giant statue, but it was set, uh, talked about different kingdoms. And this one is made of pure gold. Remember in Daniel chapter two, that first, that statue that he had in his dream, he was the head. And what was the head made of? Gold. So he might have gotten the idea. This is just um, <clears throat> my interpretation of it. He might have gotten the idea of making this statue from what he saw in his dream in a previous chapter of Daniel, too. We we don't know. That's just, I mean, that's just what I'm saying. That's just from what I see about it. OK. Now, th here's something very interesting that I found. There's an archaeologist named Opert. Uh, O-P-P-E-R-T, I believe that's that's the way it's spelled, who found this site, who found this site a hundred. It says it found he found this site almost a hundred years ago. It is southeast of Babylon, but the name of the place now is called Duar, D-U-A-I-R. So this site where Nebuchadnezzar made this statue <clears throat> was found by this archaeologist almost a hundred years ago. Again, his name is, I think it's Opert. I think I'm saying it right. I hope I am. O-P-P-E-R-T. That's his name. And he found this site. Oh, as I said, he found this. He found the actual site over a hundred years ago. And now the name of the place is D-R, is Duair. I think that's how they say it. D-U- a-I-R. OK, so it's it's very cool that somebody found where this actually took place. OK, now let's look at verse two. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates and all the pro provincial 
provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay, so basically he's calling everybody to come to this, uh, all the high high ranking people to come. Right. This this is that's very interesting. I'm going to come back to it. Okay, that's very interesting because I want you to notice something, something about that. But I'm going to come back to it later on. Okay. All right. Let's look at this. Verse four. Then a herald shouted out people of all races and nations and languages. Listen to the king's command. When you hear. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So you see here, they've already told everybody, hey, when you hear the music play, everyone needs to bow down to the statue. Anyone who doesn't is going to be what? Thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, as I said, I'm going to tie all of this in to the entire to a lot of the, of the events uh, that's going to happen during the tribulation period. OK, I'm going to tie all this together because if you if you've been paying attention to the podcast as we were. Excuse me, as we were taking our journey through Revelation some of this should sound should sound eerie familiar. Some of this you ought to be able to now to look at it like, oh my God, doesn't that sound like what's gonna happen? But you know, I'm 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 gonna tie it in later on. Okay, I'm gonna tie it in later on. Now let's 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 look at um verse seven. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language bow to the ground and worship the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So you see that everybody did it. Everybody, whenever they heard that sound, everybody did what they bowed down to the golden statue. Okay. Everybody. That's, that's what we see in the scripture. Okay. I'm going somewhere with that. That's why I keep bringing it up. Everybody bow down. I'm going somewhere. Watch. Okay. So verse eight, but some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the and informed on the Jews. Uh oh, what's happening? Somebody dry snitching, somebody snitching. Okay, let, let, let's go. Verse nine. Then they they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, "Long live the king." Verse ten. You issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. So they're here, here they are. They're reminding Nebuchadnezzar of what he said. Of what he said, right? He told him, he's telling him exactly, they're telling Nebuchadnezzar, King, this is what you said, right? So verse 11, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. Right. So they are telling him that they're making a case against some people. So they're, they're building a case. You know, when you build a case, you got to gather your evidence first. So now that's what they're doing. They're building a case against the Jews. Right. 
So they're bringing up the evidence of what he said. This is what you said that everyone's supposed to do, right? This is what you said. You you commanded everybody to do it, right? And now they're they're getting let, let, you know what? Let, let's jump. Let's let's do it. Verse twelve. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, majesty, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. You see that? These people here have made it a point to tell the king, those people who you put in charge, they're not doing what you said to do. Because remember, in Daniel 2, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were elevated right along with Daniel after Daniel interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So now here we are. These people who've come up are in essence telling Nebuchadnezzar, hey, these people that you put in charge of a lot of the of a lot of Babylon, they're not doing what you said do. And then of course we know that they're part, and we and you know, this is just me. But they probably feeling some type of way about how they've been there serving the king. They couldn't do what um, the king needed. And then you've got these this. You've got Daniel who comes along, who does exactly what the king wanted. And even they and they said they remember what they told Nebuchadnezzar. Only the gods could tell you what your dream meant in Daniel, too. That's what they told him. That's what they told him. And they said that, but there are no gods walking among us. What did Daniel say? I serve a God who can tell. I serve the true living God. And he could tell you everything, what that dream means and what what the dream was and what it means, because he's the one that gave it to you. And after that, we kind of, I kind of said in uh, last week, I said, I think they could feel in some type of way. They probably feel in some type of way. But the scripture doesn't allude to it, but in just by human nature, you getting showed up, you're going to feel by somebody else. Some people are going to do that. We'll call them haters, of course. Okay. So I'm pretty sure they feel in some type of way. So here they are. They're telling Nebuchadnezzar, hey, they didn't do what you said to do, what you said to do. And this is what you said. You said if they didn't, they should be thrown into the fairy furnace. Okay. Let's go to verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage in order that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be bought before him. When they were bought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? Notice what it said, verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar, what he flew into a rage. So they stoked this fire in him and he was hot. He was hotter than fish grease. Like, what, what did you just say? Bring him in front of me. It's an ego thing. It's an ego trip. It's an ego thing. And the, the, and the magicians who came in to tell Nebuchadnezzar that they knew he was going to react. That, that's why they that's why they made sure to come in. There, oh, your majesty. Oh, this this is what you said. And this is what you uh, said. What happened if people didn't do it? Well, there's people who are not doing what you said, what you uh, commanded everybody to do. There's a group right over there. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar felt some type of way. He felt disrespected. Like what? One issue about Nebuchadnezzar. 
that he has is a pride issue. Nebuchadnezzar has a pride issue. But if we're going to see what his pride is going to get him into in Daniel chapter 4. Jumping ahead, but his pride is an issue in Daniel 4. And let's just say God's going to deal with that pride one last time. That, but that's in Daniel 4, okay? That's in Daniel 4. But we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to Daniel 4 later. Right now, we're in Daniel 3, okay? I'm sorry. I just I just wanted to whet your appetite as to what's going on, what's gonna happen in Daniel 4, okay? Now let's 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 go. Verse 15. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? See that he is really on a trip now. I mean, he really going after it. He said, you tell him you got one more time. Don't you remember how we were young? You would all, we would always be cutting up somewhere. And what your parents tell you, you got one more time. You got one more time. Most of the time. Some kids, they hear that phrase, you got one more time. Most kids like, oh, I'm not doing it no more. Then you got some of us who like, you got one more time. And guess what? We're going to test it. We're going to test it. We're going to try it one more time. Just as We're going to do it one more time, not thinking about no consequences or nothing. Don't he sound like our parents back then? Listen, I'm going to give you one more chance to get to, to get this thing right. So you got to look at it in that way. He looking at it, he like, hey. You got one more time. I'm 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 gonna give you one final chance to do what I said do right. He giving them another chance. So hey, but and then look at what he says. He said, but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. <laughs> and look what he said. He said he didn't say later on. He didn't say later on. He didn't say somewhere down the road. He said immediately, like if you say no, you're going right into the furnace. Whoop, throw him right on in there. He said immediately. He wasn't playing no games at all. He like, man, look, if y'all don't do this, I'm going to put you in the, in the furnace. End of discussion. He wasn't playing no games. It's either you do this or this going to happen. I'm telling you, this ought to sound familiar to a lot of to a lot of you who've listened to this podcast, but I'm going to tie it all into the end times during the tribulation period. But you can kind of see some some of this sounding exactly like how it's going to be in the end time. OK, but I'm going to tie it in at the end after we go through Daniel three. OK, so let's get let's get to a verse 16. And this is so funny because it's not it is funny in some way, but you'll see what I mean. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Ooh, that sound. That's <laughs> they told. Look, if we notice something right here, notice something. Right after Nebuchadnezzar makes that statement, what happened? Verse six, verse sixteen. All three of them said the same thing. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar! It, it didn't take them no time. They already had their mind made up, and it didn't take them no time. Oh no, we're not doing that. 
it, 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 you say what God can save us, our God can save us. He's and notice what he and notice what they said. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty. But do you notice how they're not disrespectful to the king? They still respecting him like your majesty, your majesty. But look at what they're telling him. Even if he doesn't, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Oh, man, you just don't know how powerful of a statement that that is. They are at the face of death and they're telling Nebuchadnezzar who really does have the power, who really does have their lives in his hands. He can he can he he's showing it. Hey, your life really is in my hands right now. He can choose to let him go or he could choose to uh, or he could choose to follow through, which is, of course, what he does. He follows through. But he's in essence telling him he's in it. But do you see how Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are responding? Their lives are on the line, but yet and still they're saying, hey, we're not doing this. But even if God does, if our God does not do, we'll never do what you're asking us to do. Do you see how they are making a stand for God? I tell people all the time. There's going to come a point in your life where one day you are going to have to make a stand for God. And it very well could cost you something. But the question is, will you make that stand? That's the question. Will you make that stand? You, Everybody in their lives, we're going to all have a point where we're going to have to make a stand for God. And the question is. Are you willing to make that stand? It's easy to say, oh, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it, Lord. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's easy to say that now. But when that moment comes and you realize doing this may cost you something because trust and believe when you make a stand for God, it's going to cost you something. Absolutely. It's going to cost you something. The question is, when it comes time to make that stand, when you realize what the cost will be, are you willing? to make that cost. Everybody has a point in their life where you got to make a stand for God over something. Everybody's going to have one. It's like, well, how do we call it? It's like the fork in the road. Everyone's going to have a fork in the road experience with God. You either going to stand for me, you're going to stand for me, or you're not. And sometimes God uses it as a way to test, to see, do you really love him? Do you really trust him as you say you do? Do you really do you faith? What does the Bible say? Faith without works is what is dead. This is where your faith got to come in. Do you really believe what God says? Do you have the faith to stand on it despite something you is costing you? Because it's gonna cost you something, and it might and it might cost you something big. It could very well cost you your life, as you see. And this is what's happening with them. But every time you make a stand for God, when you stand for God against something, for, for something that's right in God's eyes against the enemy, it's going to cost you something. OK, but the question is, do you have the faith enough to believe that God's going to deliver you? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they had no problem with their faith. They said, even if he doesn't, they're saying they know even if he doesn't do. 
we know he's able to do. So I'm telling you, I'm just throwing it out there. One day, you yourself will have to make a similar, might, not might, you yourself will one day have to make a stand for God. It might not cost you your life. Making a stand for God could cost you a relationship. It could cost you um, your job. It could cost you something. It could cost you, it could cost you money. It could cost, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost. But the question is, are you willing to pay that cost for the kingdom's sake? You can say yes now, but when that time comes, we're going to see. We're going to see. Do you really love God like you say? It's, it's going to be either put up or shut up. If you it, it, that, That's what it's going to be. Put up or shut up time. Everybody's going to have one moment when everybody's going to have that one time in their life. Everybody's going to. I had one um when I was working at my previous job, um, I um I went in for to interview for another position in the job, right? I had um my potential supervisor and her boss, they were interviewing me, right? And um they asked me, they said, um, well, if we choose to not hire you, what would you do? I said, well, you know. If I get the job, that's fine. If I don't get the job, I'm okay. I said, because the same God that, you know, because God opens doors and he closes doors. So if I get it, I'm if I get it, I'm fine. If I don't get it, I'm okay. But either way it goes, hey, I'm still serving God. It's not going to bother me whether I get this job or I don't get this job. Either way, I'm going with God no matter what happens. So, and and of course, I didn't get the job. But it gave me a moment to to show them my faith is in God, not them, not this. You know, on my on my job, that's something else on my job now that I've told my supervisor, one of my supervisors, I said, man, I don't care nothing about this job. This job is nothing more to me than a paycheck. That's all it is. At the end of the day, this job is not my source. You the supervisor at the time, y'all can sit here and stress and sweat and everything else. I'm not sweating. If I got, if I was to get laid off or whatever happens here, man, I'm not worried because God got my back. I'm not worried about it. Y'all can sit here and stress and worry about this man, please. I'm not worried about nothing. I'm not worried about this job because this job is not the source. God is my source, not child. The only reason you guys are paying me is because God is allowing is has allowed you guys to grow into this great big company. But if it's not for God, man, please, y'all wouldn't be where y'all are today. So what I'm tripping about y'all for. But I, I don't know, maybe those two examples might not have been the best ones, but I'm telling you, everyone's going to have a moment where you got to stand for God. You got to stand for what's right even though it could cost you something. Maybe I'm now I think about it. Them two examples might not have been the best ones, but that's the closest things. That's the closest way for me to describe it. You know, cause the first experience I'm telling it to some unbelievers. That's why I made that statement that I'm in there with unbelievers. So I'm testifying to them. Hey, I'm not sweating. Y'all don't, y'all not gonna, I'm not gonna sweat. If y'all don't give me this job, man, please, I'm trusting God. And if God said he's going to do it, and and then really, really the same uh, 
similar, you know, talking to unbelievers. My faith is in God, not this job. I'm going to be good no matter what. But I'm just saying, we all going to have a time. We're going to stand for God. We're going to have to make a stand, okay? And I'm just saying, that's what's going on here with Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they had the faith enough to believe that God would do, okay? That's all I'm saying. So let's 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 do this. Verse 19. Let's go down to verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar's, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. That's very interesting. When they say his face changed, his face literally changed because they say he became distorted with rage. To me, that sounds like a spirit of anger came upon him because notice it says his face changed. I don't know if you guys have ever seen somebody who has been um, who's possessed by by spirit. But a lot of times when they're possessed by spirits, their face changes. Literally, I mean, they, 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 their whole look and their whole demeanor changes. I told you guys a story about the time what happened with me and my church when there was a young man there who all of a sudden was overtaken with a spirit of anger. If you'd have just saw his face, I mean, he didn't, his face, he didn't look nothing like himself, nothing like himself. And but here it's the same thing, which leads me to wonder, could Nebuchadnezzar have been overtaken by a spirit? Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Join us here next week as we continue our discussion of Daniel chapter three here on the last things podcast. Love you guys. Be blessed.